Better turn it on, hadn't I? I'll start again. Good morning. It really is great to be with you. Um, I'm really excited again. I feel privileged. I'm, you know, if your first day, first time you visit us, I really do welcome you. Uh, or if you've been here for a million times, obviously you're very, very welcome. Um, for those that don't know me, yeah, I'm Rob, the pastor here. Believe, believe it or not, and uh, it's just a privilege to uh, to be a part of this fellowship. I just love the Lord. I want to serve Him. I have found it right really useful over this year just to kind of go back and re relay out some of the things that you know I believe why we're here. You know um, what we're doing here as Vineyard Community Church. Um, and kind of winding down out of that over these last few weeks, just been reminding us as disciples of Jesus Christ, a key part of that, and what that means is that we're aligning ourselves with the things that God is doing in us or wants to do in and through us uh, in our lives, namely transforming us, um, but that we might become more and more of what it actually means to be more fully human. Or, to put it another way, more like Jesus. Um, that's what we're, we're about. And our role in that, you know, we have a part to play in that. Our part is just simply aligning ourselves, aligning our lives, our lifestyles, with all of that what God wants for us. We're kind of agreeing with him. We're agreeing with that image that he has for us, and we're complying with it. So we're making a series of decisions daily, to kind of walk in step with that, keeping step with the things that God uh, wants to do. So we come to the end of this series that I called Emulate, and we've been taking kind of some of the character attributes of God, the uh, parts of his character, things that we actually see through, displayed through the life of Jesus, and we're kind of holding those things up and we're saying, yes, that's what we're aiming at. You know, that, that, that's the thing that where we're, we're heading. We're trying to be like Jesus. We're, trying to, we're moving towards that. And a few weeks ago, I was talking about the practice of forgiveness. Yeah. How are you doing with that? <laughs> forgiveness. Being forgiven. <laughs> yeah. Some people are kind of like, don't look at me. Don't look at me. But um, just emulating Jesus on just how forgiving he is. Forgiveness, I was saying a couple of weeks ago, is just so central to the Christian faith. You know, as you look through the Bible, you, just, you can't open the Bible without finding the theme of forgiveness on its pages. So from front to back, it's woven through um, Old and New Testament. And so a couple of weeks ago, I started to talk about this and you know, becoming more like Jesus in this whole area of forgiving. Now, last time, what I kind of concentrated on was how there can be moments in our walk, or in, just in life, how um, we may have been wronged by somebody, we may have been hurt by somebody, and I'm talking like in a big way. You know, it could be a real a trauma event um, for us, and we, we could consider such those uh, events or uh, offences like that when we're talking about forgiveness. Um, but when people kind of have experienced such traumatic hurts, sometimes they feel, man, you know, I, I've tried. I just can't forgive. 
I can't forgive that person for what they did with me. I've tried. I've looked into that. I've really thought about it. And it's just too painful. I can't, I can't forgive that. And whilst people have numerous reasons for why they feel they can't forgive, often those reasons can be that we, we simply have the wrong idea about what forgiveness is and what it isn't. And so that's what I was talking about last time. I kind of uh, spent quite a bit of time talking about what forgiveness is not. You know, we were kind of dispelling some of the myths about what forgiveness is not. And then I kind of closed off that, that talk. We spent a, a few moments just talking about what forgiveness is. And I left us with this working definition of what forgiveness is. Um, forgiveness is the deliberate act of choosing to release the one who has sinned against me. So we're kind of making that choice. I'm not going to keep this person that's hurt me under lock and key of my judgment. You know, that's what I'm, I'm, I'm choosing. And to surrender my right to collect payment on the moral debt that they owe me through paying them back for what they have done. So I'm saying, I give up my right to exact revenge. I give up, I surrender my right to inflict the same pain or more <laughs> pain on the person than the, that what they've um, done to me. Now, what I recognize is that when we talk about the practice of forgiveness, the outworking of forgiveness, absolutely, it has a place and a purpose in all events, in all circumstances, all pain, offenses that we come across, big or small. It's just that we often talk about forgiveness and about outworking. We often relate it to those big, major events, big deal events, maybe things that from our childhood and growing up. And last time I actually gave a couple of uh, stories about how people just recently in the States, how they've lost family uh, and friends through like shootings in the States and stuff like that. I mean, and they're big things. I was going to show about get Anne's to share her story in her adolescent years, just the traumatic events of growing up within a broken family, a dysfunctional family in many ways. And once those events that are so, so important and forgiveness absolutely has a place uh, and a purpose when we're you know, navigating through those things, it's just that not all of us have gone through those sorts of traumatic things, right? Thankfully, <laughs> thankfully not all of us do. So um, I'm kind of asking the question today, well, what about the regular um, day-to-day dealings, those interactions, multiple offences, that we, or multiple opportunities then for forgiveness, we could call them. You know, what do we do with all that? Because, you know, we all experience those things, right? I mean, is anybody married? <laughs> Does anybody drive <laughs> on our roads today and like that sort of navigating driving and you know, whatever around other people. Uh, there are many, many opportunities for, for us to forgive out there each day. You know, if, if it is, and it's probably going to really be happy that I'm going to share this now. At the beginning of the week, uh, we had, let's say, an interaction. <laughs> and uh, it kind of landed up with both of us feeling, coming away from this interaction, feeling offended by the other. Okay, we said a bunch of things, reacted in certain ways, and we, we both came away feeling, man, that was it, you know. Um, 
it, uh, you know, it was only over a couple of relatively small things, small misunderstandings, more on Angela's part but, uh, <laughs> than... <laughs> See that look she's got on her face now? That's what I'm talking about. No, uh, um, no, it was on both parts. But it resulted us in doing things that kind of offended the other. But what really surprised me, and actually what really scares me the most, is to say something relatively small like that, it gets so stuck in my mind. It gets so stuck in there. And, you know, I'm just like processing it over and over and over again. I completely lose all track of any uh, peace of God that I had in my heart. And I'm just like, and I'm reacting to that. And And I'm kind of like thinking, man... I'm building my case for why I reacted the way I did. That's what I'm doing. I'm working on. And you know what? If he comes up to me now and gives me anything, I'm going to give it both barrels, you know? In the most sort of Christian pastor way, of course. Uh, and uh, it's like, you know, I no, I'm, that's it now. I'm not speaking to you. I'm going to go and work on the weekend talk about forgiveness. <laughs> Yeah, I know. Ironic, isn't it? <laughs> but seriously, forgiving forgiving others is something that we all have to deal with on a regular basis, maybe day to day. And I stand here and I have to admit, you know, I'm working on this too. You know, I'm still out working. At... Okay, you know, let's take the focus off of me for a moment. <laughs> Quick, dodge. And switch to uh, Jesus. We'll have a look at some, something that he taught in Matthew uh, chapter 6. So if you've got your Bibles and want to follow along with that. Matthew chapter 6. A real familiar section of Jesus' teaching which we've come to call the Lord's Prayer. We've gone through the, you know, at school a hundred million times. So we know this off by heart. But So in this, this time Jesus... His disciples, certainly in the Luke account of this, they've been like saying, Jesus, we want you to pray. That's really cool. Can you teach us to pray the way that you pray? And so here in Matthew, Jesus is kind of running through a lesson on how to pray, and then he's going to go on to a whole stack of teaching about life and life in the kingdom. But we come in at verse 9, and he says, This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven. Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And then it gets really, (laughs) this is the hard bit. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins... Your Father will not forgive your sins. Ooh. So, just kind of pulling out a couple of things from that passage before we move on. The first thing to note is that the hallmark of Orthodox Christianity, or historic Christianity, the very thing that sets Christianity apart from any other faith in the world is that there is forgiveness from God for us. The key thing 
um, that means, what it means to be a Christian is that we have kind of been brought into that place of receiving God's love and his grace and his forgiveness because of what Jesus did on the cross. You know, it's whilst he was there in that agonizing, in that place on the cross where it was almost in his last words, his last breath, where he was praying, God, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. The thing is, our actions matter. All of our actions have consequences. The choices that we make, they are all a real big deal to God. And the Bible makes it absolutely crystal clear that none of us actually can go through life without making bad choices, without thinking the wrong things and doing the wrong things, offenses that you know, offensive to God and offensive to others. They, and they all have consequences. But the great news is God forgives us. God forgives us and he, he loves us. He forgives us freely. God's forgiveness is freely available for you today. I, I just think some people need to know that. You know, <laughs> it's whoever you are, whatever you've come from, even that bad thing that you thought this weekend, that action you did, God forgives you. God's forgiveness is towards you. The second thing um, from this passage is that well, Jesus, he obviously assumes that we're going to need God's forgiveness regularly. <laughs> Remember, Jesus here is providing kind of like his disciples a template for prayer, like daily prayer. He, he mentions praying for daily bread, but I reckon we need daily forgiveness <laughs> as well. You know, just as daily bread is healthy and necessary for life, so too is forgiveness. Forgiveness is just a part of our life, especially living life together in community in the kingdom of God. You remember last time I quoted someone as saying that forgiveness is the oxygen of the kingdom. Forgiveness is the oxygen of the kingdom. And just like inhaling and exhaling oxygen is absolutely vital to life, we have to do that. So too, it is the same with forgiveness. We inhale forgiveness from God. We take in forgiveness from God. But we, it's got to go out somewhere. You know, We have to exhale forgiveness. We have to um, allow forgiveness to, to move out from us to someone, somewhere. And what Jesus teaches here is that, right, you know, if the heart is not in open to granting forgiveness to others, then it will also be closed off from receiving forgiveness from God. So if the heart is closed off, or you know, not willing, it's not open to granting forgiveness to others, then it's going to be closed off to receiving God's forgiveness. And clearly that, that's, I don't know about you, but that can be quite a shaky thing. That's something quite tough to embrace, um, especially if you're here today and you're thinking of a particular event and a particular person right now as we've been talking through this, and you're thinking, man, I, I, <laughs> I've tried forgiving that person that offended me, but I'm struggling with it. I just still want them to hurt the way that they hurt me. Or, you know, I still, I still want to pay them back in some way for what they did to me. But, you know, we can all struggle with those sorts of things. So what if that's you today? What if you're here struggling like that? Even, even if it was a relatively small thing, so somebody has said, you know, I'm going to call you back next week, and they just didn't. Or somebody let you down in, in some relatively small or 
big way, whatever. You know, how are you actually going to forgive that person? Or have I? Have I actually forgiven that person? So that's what we're going to work through for the rest of this morning. Now, trust me, this is going to get really practical, okay? Uh, I hope you don't mind that. I feel as though I've got to apologize because this really is uh, going to be practical stuff. Um, that we have to make practical choices daily in order to forgive people. There's this uh, really clever clinical psychologist guy, a guy called Dr. Everett Worthington. I don't know if you've any, uh, heard of him. He's a real smart guy, PhD. But he has made significant contributions into research into what helps people forgive others. You know, he's spent like three decades, the majority of his professional career in just studying thousands of people and how they achieve deep and lasting forgiveness. He's a clever guy. But what's really interesting, he's also a follower of Jesus. He's a Christian. (laughs) He loves the Lord. And so all that he contributes into this field comes very much from a place of his faith, from the scriptures and stuff like that. He's got a a, a lot of great stuff um, to share about all this. I found his website, which I'll I'll give you the link on at the end. Um, But not only has he written numerous books on this topic and related topics, he's actually written loads of training programs. He offers downloadable resources right there from his webpage. And it's all great workshops for the individual and for like small groups, people within churches or in the secular um, arena just to sort of work through uh, forgiving others. And so that's what we're going to be dipping into today, some of his material that he's published. Part of his what he's called, he calls the REACH program, um, REACH Forgiveness. He uses the word REACH as like an acronym, so we're going to just take five steps that he talks about in REACHing Forgiveness. First off, before we get into that, though, <laughs> we, um, what we need to do as we're working through this process is we need to monitor our emotions. We need to think about our emotions. We are emotion, emotional creatures. God made us with a whole range of emotions, and it's really important to be aware that things, uh, things how they change emotionally in this pro- process. We've got to track our emotions as we go. Because as we work through that process of forgiving, um, it's at that emotional level where we experience healing from God. So all those angry and bitter, um, resentful emotions that we have and that, or attached to the event and ta- attached to the, the person that offended us, it's over time God heals those or replaces those negative emotions with positive emotions like empathy and sympathy, compassion, or even love towards the person that uh, hurt us. So yeah, forgiveness then makes that pathway. It's very much about us working in line with God, leaning into the power of the Holy Spirit within us, and of course the support of our trusted friends here, um, for us to change the actual emotional attachments that we have to a transgressor, a transgressor and the event that we've gone through. So this is about God healing us from things from the past. Um, whilst we can't change what's happened in the past, we can change the way, the emotions that we attach to those things. Okay, let's now work through reach. First of all, R, 
He encourages us to recall the hurt, recall the offence. And this is about us looking, you know, it's looking at the evil square in the face and, and labelling it as it is. It's sin, it's wrong, it should not have happened. Remember last time I said about forgiveness, it isn't about somebody pretending, some kind of like mental games that we might play with ourselves, pretending it didn't really happen. That's, that's not what forgiveness is. Or it didn't really hurt us in the way that it, the way that it did. <clears throat> Uh, this this whole phase is about we've just got to get real with this we've got to be honest about this and you know I can fully understand why someone would not want to actually look back and think of all the painful memories and suppress all those feelings but we don't want to do that through some kind of act of denial and pretense that it just just didn't happen so the first step towards healing then uh, is to face the pain we recall the event and this can be quite challenging, can be quite scary for some. Clearly, this is going to stir up some emotions, negative emotions. But what we want to be careful to, to do is that we just don't simply fixate on that event, just get stuck in, fixating on the hurt and that moment. Uh, we can't deny what happened, and we're calling out for what it is, but we don't want to fixate on all the negative emotions. And staying in that stage can be leave us, you know, in a real bad place. Um, so we recall it, but it's a transitional phase where it's going to get better. <laughs> We're going to move through this. We're bringing sin or the event, the offense. We're kind of bringing it out into the light, so to speak, without traumatizing or re-traumatizing and becoming reattached to all the negative emotions that we once had uh, attached to it. Now, I've never done this... Um, Myself, but some people find it helpful to actually journal this this process. So you get out a journal and just write down exactly how you, know, you felt, what actually happened. Now, apparently, a study has revealed that people who journal regularly are often more healthy in this whole area than those that don't. Isn't that interesting. So those people actually capture, kind of get off their chest the things that have occurred. Uh, in the past or near or far past, the distant past, they actually are more healthy when they actually uh, jot it down and uh, journal it. But if you're not one that's uh, for writing things down, like me, um, this stage could just be about you talking it through with a trusted friend, maybe somebody here or somebody else, just somebody that you know you can trust and just talking through it. The whole goal of this phase is to be able to recall the event and all the effects it had on on you as objectively as you possibly can. So that might be getting alone before God in the quiet space. It could be getting alongside a friend before God in a quiet space. Or it could be actually journaling, as I say, writing it out. But it's about getting before God and asking him to help you recall the detail of that what took place. The actual detail. Ask him to help you to form a a clear picture in your mind of what actually happened and how it made you feel. And it's totally okay to express negative emotions at this stage, you know, and assuming it's controlled, (laughs) you know, you're in control of it. I'd say that, you know, if you're in this place and you're already feeling, man, I just... 
I can't shake these negative feelings. I, I've got the spiraling out of control. I can't do anything about it. I'm just locked into thinking um, about them. I, I would suggest maybe start by coming in some prayer for that here. You know, whilst we talk about this in a, a very practical sense, we also believe that God has the ability to uh, miraculously heal us at the level of our emotions. That God can heal us in a moment compared to months or even years of work with counsellors. But also, there's, there's another thought. I mean, if, if you're in that place and you say, I just cannot get a control of my emotions over this, then maybe actually speaking to a professional counsellor is the answer. And we would encourage that. Ange and I have both had very positive experiences of a, a great organisation, the Christian Counselling Organisation in Northampton, and we've signposted others to there as well. So this phase, it can, can be quite scary for some, even painful, but moving through it is just so worth it. You know, the, the, the comparing the freedom that we and the peace that we experience at the other end far outweighs the pain of just going through the process. So we're labelling the offence, it's sin, and how it's impacted us emotionally. We're not excusing the action, we're not excusing the individual, we're actually just starting this process of working through our emotions that, that we attach to it or them. Starting that healing process. And then we move on to the next step then, which is E, which is to empathise, to develop empathy. What we want to do is begin to kind of overlay those negative um, emotions like anger, bitterness and pain, all those things with more positive emotions. Um, it's kind of like looking at the event through something which is not our own perspective. Maybe the perspective of the perpetrator in, in what happened. Um, Leslie Greenberg, she's another um, respected researcher in psychotherapy, discovered a technique which helps people work through this relational conflict. It's been picked up by many around the world. It's, it's called the empty chair technique or the double chair technique. So I want you to try and get this in your mind. That's why I've got two chairs here. Um, actually, this is a true example. It's an actual, uh, what do they call them, case study. Yeah, it's, uh, it's an actual true story of a 30-year-old young guy it, but he is, is a broken guy emotionally, relationally. He's, he's, he's come through a lot. And he's really locked up um, because he was holding real deep grudges towards his, his parents. His mum had committed suicide when he was 10 years old. And his father was in just such deep pain that he was, well, he was relationally and emotionally uh, disconnected and unavailable as well. And so whilst the therapist is working through this with this young, young 30-year-old guy, the therapist says to him, right, oh, what I want you to do is to sit in this chair and I want you to imagine your father in the other chair. And now I want you to, what would you say to him in, you know, right now about your situation? So the young guy he sits down in his chair and he says, uh, you know, Dad, when Mum died, she was gone. But you know what? I felt like you were gone too. You never, you weren't there for me. 
I needed a dad, you know. Basically, you abandoned me, and that really hurt me bad. You were just never there. And then the, uh, the psychologist, he said, right, well, I want you to get up, and I want you to now sit in your father's chair. And I want you to imagine what he would actually say back to you in this situation. So the, the young guy got up and sat in the other chair, and he thought for a little bit, little bit, you know, okay, what was it like for Dad going through that? And then the therapist prompted him and said, okay, what, so what would your dad say? And he said, uh, he was kind of speaking as though it was his dad speaking. He said, son, I am just so sorry. He said, I, I, I should have been there for you, and I wish, I wished I was. I really wished I was a, a real dad, a proper dad for you. But, you know, when your mother died, it just hurt me so bad. It was so bad. And that all I could actually do to cope with her not being there was just barely survive. That's all I could do. But I should have been for there, there, there for you. And I'm just so sorry. And then the, uh, the therapist says to him one more time, okay, well, you now get up from your, your father's chair. Sit back in your own chair. And uh, what is it you would like to say back to your dad now that he has said that to you, as it were. And so he did. He sat down and said, uh, yeah, dad, you know, I'm, I'm really sorry too. Yeah, I was only 10 years old when, when mom went. And I, I had no way of comprehending what that meant to you. I had no way of understanding what pain you went through with that. And can you see, it's like through this process, he began to empathize with his dad. And it was kind of like, it just seemed that this was a real significant turning point in that process of him being able to forgive his father. And that's what empathy does. It opens up these huge steps forward towards healing and forgiveness. When somebody sits in the seat of the perpetrator... We start to see things through their point of view. We actually identify with them as real human beings <coughs> as opposed to monsters. And this can actually lead to greater understanding and, and genuine compassion towards those individuals. Now, if I'm totally honest, you know, left to myself in the way that I deal with, when somebody hurts me, you know, I just want to focus on all the negative things about what was said and all the negative things about the other person. I just want to actually place myself as the innocent victim here. You know, they are the monster. I'm the innocent victim. They're all evil. I'm innocent. And that's what it's like for me. And that's what it's like for me at the beginning of last, last week, you know. It's like I never even stopped to think for a moment what Angela's perspective was on, you know, what was going on. I was just busy trying to make my case and make myself out to be innocent and justify myself, which only ended up offending Ange all the more. Um, but much of this time, I, I, I just want, I want the other person, in this case Ange, I just want them to know that they're, they're the thoughtless one, they are the monster, and I'm squeaky clean, that I'm the victim. I mean, how distorted is that anyway? At the end of the day, we're just the same. <laughs> we're, all, we're all the same. So this, this kind of other person perspective, this empathy, understanding, it, it, again, it doesn't excuse bad behavior. 
Um, but it helps us to become a little bit more understanding of the other. So, in our, working this, in practice, in our own daily life, how do we go about empathising towards the offender? Well, first we need to start by praying. I mean, this whole thing is a journey with God, right? We're praying to God. And we're asking God, whilst we're in that prayer place, of God, God, will you guide us through this process? Can you actually create in me more empathy? Create empathy within me. Grow empathy in me. Now, maybe for you, that might be helpful to create an empty chair scenario at home. Maybe that you have a place, a room at home, where you can just go through that process. Again, maybe you can just introduce a friend into the situation and say, will you come and sit with me as I, as I try and uh, work through this? Again, thinking about counseling, professional counselling, if that's something we need, that's something we need. And, and we encourage that too. Empathy, though, is really quite essential in, this, in order to, for us to receive healing in this whole thing. The next letter is A. So we're looking to move to a place of offering the offender a gift, an altruistic gift of forgiveness. Now, it's absolutely true that forgiveness is a gift that we give to ourselves, right? I was saying this um, the other week. I quoted a saying that forgiveness is setting a prisoner free and then realizing that the person that was locked up, that the prisoner was actually myself. You know, that is absolutely true. Often in these, in these cases of unforgiveness, we can, can become locked up in bitterness and resentment towards other, the, the other person. Um, and sometimes, indeed, we do need to know freedom ourselves. But studies have actually shown as well that it's really helpful for, and works towards lasting forgiveness for the one who is hurt to actually view the situation as though they're actually giving a gift to the other person, to the offender, which I found quite interesting. So it's just this idea that I'm doing this for them, for their, their benefits, like a gift that I'm giving, not for me in this case, but it's something I'm releasing uh, for them and for their benefits, something that they need and only you can give it <laughs> to them. Um, so it's... Uh, just uh, putting ourselves in that place where I'm willing to give this for their benefit and then receiving true peace uh, in that process of giving. So again, how would we work this one out? Well, one suggestion would be to recall a time where someone has had to forgive you for something. Um, now, the obvious one is thinking, of, God forgives me. <laughs> um, God forgives us all. I mean, he forgives us, I was talking about that earlier. Um, and sometimes we can kind of just think, yeah, we receive God's forgiveness, but that is God. I mean, he's supposed to forgive. <laughs> That's what he does for a living, so to speak. Um, he forgives. But so I think it's sometimes better and more helpful to think of a moment where you I think of another human being that has had to forgive you for something that you have done uh, to them. And then just as you know, in a thankful heart, that's something I've received from somebody else in my life. I know in turn going to actually give that and offer that gift to another person and releasing them from that debt that they owe you, so to speak. It's really an attitude of our hearts. 
So it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to go up to the actual individual and say, I forgive you. You Sometimes that can antagonise the situation, especially if they don't feel they need. I didn't need your forgiveness, actually, or I wasn't aware that I'd offended you. So it's not necessarily something to go and say to them, but it's just something, you know, consider it something that you do in your heart before God. It's just something that you, between you and God, you're working through, but you're choosing to somehow absorb the impact of the offense, the sin, and you're going to give this altruistic gift to the perpetrator. Next one. C is to commit publicly to forgive. Everybody's freaking out now. What? (laughs) Did you just say that? Yes. I'll come to that in a minute. I don't know about you, but have, have you ever been offended by somebody you've, uh, and you feel as though you've done the forgiveness? You've worked for it. Yeah, I've absolutely forgiven them. And then all of a sudden, you know, almost unannounced, all these emotions start springing up again. Just out of nowhere. It could be like weeks, months, or even years down the road. And you think, I mean, I've, forg- I've forgiven this person. And then all of a sudden... Something happens. I don't know. Maybe they turn up to a place where you are, and it just triggers all that pain again. Or, or uh, you know, maybe someone hurts you in the same way that you were hurt before, and again, that just kind of resurfaces all this this pain. Or supposing that the offender actually does the offence again, again, it's just some way. All these old feelings of pain just come rushing back again. Now, all of that, all of those emotions and feelings can leave us actually doubting that we actually forgave the person in the first place. Did I actually do that? <laughs> did, it, did I? Did I actually forgive the person? And so, you know, it's really important to forgive, but it's also important to forgive publicly. Now, before you get completely freaked out, what I'm not suggesting is that you have to come up onto this here mic and share your story about you are now working through forgiveness for your you know, neighbor or your work colleague or something that's offended you or somebody else in the church here. No, I'm not necessarily saying you have to do that. And that you welcome, you'd be welcome to. And I think it'd be quite powerful anyway. But, but it could be just, again, just talking about it with another individual, somebody, a trusted friend. Um, or it could be working it through with a trusted friend within your life group that you're part of or your Thai group. Remember, I Three is enough groups that we we have, and so it could just be a case of you know taking some time aside with that individual and say, "Listen, can I speak something out in front of you? I just, I'm working through some stuff about this individual and what they've done to me, and I really need just to get before somebody else and before God and just speak this thing out. Is that okay? You know, can I do that in, in your presence?" And will you pray for me? Will you stand with me as I work through this? Again, Everett Worthington, as part of his REACH program workshops, he actually encourages people to actually write out a certificate of forgiveness. It sounds a bit intense, I know, very formal. Um, But, you know, it's just, you make it all really official, you you detail all the offences that are actually on there on the certificate, and... uh, you actually say how you are releasing that individual uh, from you're, you're committing not to bring it up again to them. 
and you're committing not to bring it up to anybody else and bring it up to yourself. And then you kind of like, you date it and sign it and poof, there it is. That's your certificate of forgiveness. It's really official. Now, whichever way you choose to actually make it public, what is important is that you remember that the practice of forgiveness doesn't replace painful memories. The practice of forgiveness doesn't replace or take the the painful memories away. It replaces the negative emotions that we attach to those memories. You know, forgiveness is way, way more complex than just forget it. (laughs) Just forget it happened. That's, that's forgiveness. Forgiveness is way more complex than that. I said uh, last time, actually just forgiving, uh, forgetting, you know, without saying forgive and forget. That's impossible anyway, isn't it? We can't forget. It's just not possible. But forgiveness, though, is a choice that we make to actually release an individual from their debt, to absorb that debt, that offense, the impact of the offense. And then there's this emotional element to the whole thing. And, and that's what it is. We're working towards experiencing God's healing, his shalom peace uh, as part of that healing, and, and even compassion and even love towards the person, even if we were to bump up to them quite by surprise in a few months' time or whatever. H, our last one. H is we absolutely need to hold on to the forgiveness. Hold tight to the commitment to forgive. And, you know, it's really inevitable that as we're working through forgiveness, that process, we're going to feel that pull, that temptation to actually fall back into thinking about what this person did to me and how evil they are and how bad they are. We're going to be tempted to succumb to all those old emotions and feelings of anger and resentment. And so when we do that, we need to stumble back to God, into his arms, into his care, into his grace, and say again, will you help me? Will you assist me? And get the assistance of your community here around you. And we need to hold fast onto that forgiveness. We've got to remember that simply remembering the event, or just remembering the hurt. That doesn't equal unforgiveness. Unforgiveness depends on what I said earlier about I choose to really fixate on the negative stuff. I'm going to really fixate on the event. I'm going to keep letting it go over the event over and over and over and over again. And as I said, that that kind of fixation is, I mean, it totally opposes forgiveness. It's the enemy of forgiveness. So simply remembering an event or a pain isn't opposed to forgiveness. Also, when we are aware of those emotions resurfacing again, which is natural, we need to remind ourselves, yes, I did forgive that person. I really, I did work through that. I know I did. And sometimes when we, you know, if you did the old certificate thing, you've got to pull that out again and look at it. Look, I did. <laughs> or go to the person that you spoke out and say, can I have a word with you? Can you, you were there, weren't you? I did do this, didn't I? I'm not imagining it. You were there. I, I went through that thing. I forgave the person. Yeah, you did. I was there. So we just need to be reminded of that. But then also say, I'm going to reconnect with that today. Will you just stand with me again? I forgive. God, I forgive that person for what they did. Will you help me? You know, oftentimes we really need to hold tight to that. And where necessary, we like work through these stages time and time again, 
rarely is it a one-stop job done thing. Unless you're lucky. It, I mean, it's just, it doesn't always work that way. Sometimes we really have to go round the cycle again and again. But God actually delves deeper into us and brings more freedom in you know, healing to our hearts as we go through. So there we have um, the process. Reach, uh, R, recall the event, label it for what it is, it's sin and the offense and what it is and the, how it impacted you. E, empathize, to choose to look on the event from the perspective of the offender. A, to give the altruistic gift of forgiveness. C, commit publicly to forgive. And H, hold tight to that commitment that you made to forgive. Now, if you really want to delve into this a little bit more, that's the, the website link. It's uh, www.evworthington-forgiveness.com. Um, there is tons of material on there, videos, downloadable things, as I was saying, workshops. Why not actually you know, think, yeah, I need to work through this a bit more in my life. Get resourced, get you know, working through the processes, uh, use the, the, the things that are available to you, get alongside others. You know, in your Thai group, so I was saying, it's just three is enough group. That's just gathering with another two or three other people within the church. And if you're not part of the, the three is enough group, why don't you form one around this? Yeah, I'm going to actually start a group. Just so pick two of the people that you really connect with, that you really trust. And actually think, yeah, I'm going to work through this material of forgiveness. Will you, let's work through it together, shall we? I just think, wouldn't it be absolutely awesome if we as a community of people were actually pulling together to know and experience more and more freedom in Christ through being kind of becoming unstuck from an area which is a very sticking point for many believers, the whole area of forgiveness. So... We're finished by praying. That is incredibly practical, isn't it? It's, uh, but I hope, I mean, for me, this has been really helpful going through this. You know, we, as I say, we all have occurrences, difficult situations, things that require us to forgive others almost daily. And so being more effective in that, not allowing it to actually enslave us, uh, is going to be a better thing. Surely. So let's uh, let's stand and pray.